everybody. It just fills my heart up just to hear the music. I so love the conversation I'm getting ready to have. Very good, Benny. Bobby Baxter so gets who I am. And I was so thrilled when we found out we had an opportunity to talk with David Weber. You know, look. David, with more than six and a half million copies of his books in print and 14 of his titles on the New York Times bestseller list, David Weber is the science fiction publishing phenomenon of the decade. And honestly, you're going to hear from him. You're going to hear about his background. You're going to hear about what he's done. But also, today we're talking about what this means in the world of science fiction. Why is it we love science fiction so much? And if you don't believe we love science fiction, wait till you hear some of these box office numbers from people. So David is joining us here today to talk about why we love science fiction, to talk about why a movie such as Watchmen, you know, number one at the box office, you know, 55 plus million. Uh, and now we're talking about the new Star Trek feature coming out or prequel or whatever you want to call it. Terminator, some form of Terminator without Schwarzenegger. I can't even imagine it, but we're all like waiting for it. Well, not all of us, but those of us that grew up in the world of science fiction, we are. And what we believed happened on the day the Earth stood still. And why, if you buy that DVD, you get the original. David, thank you so much for joining us here today. You know, you released in 1986 best-selling graphic novel of all time, The Watchmen. The science fiction community has been waiting for someone to make the landmark award-winning book into a movie. And they did. And, you know, here we are. I, I can't, I, you know what I think I'm thinking about now, and I'm t totally off all the notes everybody sent me for, for the show. I'm thinking to myself, here you are, the best-selling graphic novel of all time, right? Science fiction, 20 more years of waiting. Audiences finally get to see it. Here is Watchmen. And I'm trying to think to myself, wait a minute, what is this like to kind of have people get a hold of stuff, your stuff, my stuff, and then make it into something different? And so I want to thank you for joining us here today. I mean, you have broken all the records that anyone ever had out there. Best-selling author a gazillion times. You know, your books are everywhere. And yet here we are contemplating, wow, science fiction. Why are we so obsessed and addicted with it? Thank you for joining us, David. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I, I always you know, cringe a little tiny bit when somebody calls me the science fiction publishing phenomena of the decade. <laughs> but it still, you know, feels kind of nice. Well, it does. And you know what? I had to give it up, too, because people started to call me the Oprah of talk radio. And, you know, honestly, here we are. We've got all these titles. And we're just kind of doing what we love, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I know sometimes when people are telling me how much they love my books and everything else, I keep trying to look over my shoulder to see which of the guys I grew up reading they're really talking to. <laughs> oh, so how did you get to be this phenomenal? I mean, I can't wait to hear this story because... What you do is so, like, out of the box. I, I mean, I've got your new book, you know, Storm from the Shadows, and mm -hmm. I'm just, like, I, I'm just, like, reading it. I had to actually take it and put it in my bedroom 
because if I start to read it, I'm not going to like, I'm not getting any work done that I'm supposed to be doing. And so, you know, how well, has this turned into this phenomenon that it is? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, that you've enjoyed the book, um, which, by the way, is just finishing its third week on the extended New York Times list. Mm. Um, wow. The um, I got into it because I have always loved writing. I've supported myself as a writer one way or the other since I was about seventeen. And I am a historian by training, and I have always thought that if you're going to write, you should write what you enjoy reading, because you'll probably do it better than you'll do something else. And I have always enjoyed reading science fiction and historical novels, which made kind of uh, a natural fit uh, out of science fiction for me when I started uh, publishing novels. So for you, this is sort of what some people say you're calling. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, to tell you the truth, I always expected that I would wind up um, teaching uh, history mm-hmm. on a college level and writing on the side. Uh, and now what it looks like I may do is one of these days when I finally get to slow down a little on the production schedule, I think I'd like to spend some time as an author in residence on uh, on one of the local college campuses um, and kind of pass on some of the pleasure I found in uh, the writing that I've done. You know, part of this for me is having a conversation that is really truly about what we what we all seem to be doing in terms of creating our own fantasy world. And, you know, today the topic, as I said before, is why we love science fiction. And, you know, that question in itself begs an answer. You know, why do we love science fiction? And I and I've been thinking about this a lot knowing that you and i were going to to chat today i mean many of my friends you know kind of look at me and they think no wait a minute you cannot be that talk radio host that does all that stuff and watch the movies you watch mm-hmm. and i actually stopped trying to explain it but i wanted to ask you you know what is it that's so captivating about science fiction well i think that um part of it is that what we're really talking about is what a technological society does instead of fairy tales. And human cultures, all human cultures, have always been fascinated by stories, uh, by stories that that push their imaginations into areas they might not get into otherwise or which satisfy their desire for something that is uh, exciting, entertaining, uh, something that can be a cautionary tale or an inspirational tale. Mm-hmm. And we are, as I say, now a technological society. So where science fiction is concerned, what we're doing is we're talking to the audience of story listeners who have always been out there as storytellers, mm-hmm. but using the building blocks that are now part of our current culture. If you look at genres like the techno thrillers and... Uh, um, the the just plain thrillers and whatnot that are out there now, a lot of them are really dipping into science fiction territory. When you look at how it's all cutting edge, gee whiz technology uh, and and future threats that people are thinking up but have to be thwarted and whatnot, wow. they're dipping into science fiction territory because those are and I hate this word, uh-huh. I hate this word, but those are the tropes. 
we use these days when we write. I think also that science fiction, we science fiction writers uh, like to think of ourselves as uh, producers of speculative fiction, people who uh, write the, the, the fiction of ideas and, and concepts of future societies rather than present societies, of future technology, of what's it going to be like one day. And I think that for Americans, that has a particular resonance because the Americans, despite where we are right this minute with worrying about the economy and everything else, Americans have traditionally thought of themselves as a society of the future, uh-huh. of somebody that is advancing, is moving forward. We're not trying to live on past glories. We're looking for the future, figuring the future is going to be even better. Mm-hmm. That's the way we've traditionally thought of ourselves. And science fiction has a tendency to speak to that sort of a, of a belief. Now, there's also science fiction, which is rather dark, and which uh, I think also resonates with those of us who have concerns about the future, the direction we're headed. Right. So it's, I guess in some ways I would say that science fiction has at least the reputation and the feel of being the literature of the future rather than the literature of the past. Yeah, I know. I love that, you know, you're talking about it like that. I really went back and I thought about this. Uh, and I actually had a big old conversation with my best friend about it. And I thought about, you know, my very young days. I remember, and boy, am I going to date myself. But I remember getting on my bicycle, living in the Bronx, getting on my bicycle, riding miles to get to a movie theater every Saturday. And the movies that I would select to see, you know, were all of the, quote, Godzilla or giant behemoth movies, the science fiction things that were out there. And I never really understood it. But one of the things that I discovered, and I wanted to ask you about this, because certainly this is something that I think many people relate to. What I realized is I developed this incredible imagination from it. I mean, almost to the point of, you know, where my parents thought I was a little weird. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly. Just a little wacko that, you know, I would well, come up with these stories. Yeah, well, I think you actually have put your finger on on part of it. Other types of literature, uh, romances, um, um, even, even thrillers, detective novels, they're very much part of the day-to-day world around us. They're using furniture and people and and technology that is right here today it's who we are science fiction is generally talking about who we may be who we may become and so i think it does push the imagination i've talked to a lot of people in the aerospace industry uh and in uh, more in the aerospace industry and the military than anywhere else because that's where I spend a lot of my time with people. Um, but they talk about how it was science fiction that got them fascinated with the concept of where do we go from here and got them into what it is they're doing now. Um, and I think that's one of the things that science fiction does. I think that movies and literary science fiction, and for that matter, comic books. Yes. You, you were talking about the Watchmen and graphic novels, but mm-hmm. let's, let's look back to uh, old Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers in the newspaper uh, 
every 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 day back in the back in the fifties. Um, science fiction has actually been part of American literature at least since Mark Twain. If you look at his uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, you have a time travel story, and he did his uh, the novel that got him labeled as an atheist, although I don't think he was was um, The Mysterious Stranger, which a lot of people have not read, but which we're talking about something that's dating from, gosh, the turn of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And when you combine that with H.G. Wells in England and and, uh, everything else, science fiction has actually been around and growing uh, for quite some time. And I think the the audience has been getting steadily stronger that whole time. Uh-huh. There's actually kind of, you can see a chronology in the development of literary fiction, which crosses over into uh, movies and other mm-hmm. media. Now, the, the big thing is that the other media have not had the sophistication until relatively recently to provide the special effects that you can always provide in a novel. All right, we are now, from, from the time that Lucas got into the act and, and uh-huh. so forth, we're at a point where the special effects are good enough now that the suspension of disbelief comes a lot easier. Yeah, that's very interesting. Wow, we're going to take a short break when we come back. We'll be back with David Weber, why we love science fiction. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about who our science fiction heroes are and why, and what about some of the characters that David has in his books. Why are they so unique? Why are they so special? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. How's your diet going? It's going great. I had noodles for dinner last night. Noodles? Come on, that can't be on your diet. Well, I eat Miracle Noodles. They're the secret calorie-free noodles that Japanese women have eaten for years to stay thin. Hmm, how is that possible? They're made only from soluble fiber. That's it. Guilt-free noodles, Eva. Well, I'm sold. Where do you get them? Well, it's my little secret. But okay, you can get them at MiracleNoodle.com. Join Mystic Radio with Robin Alexis on Sundays at noon as metaphysical mother and TV personality Robin Alexis helps countless people around the globe to live fuller and more conscious lives. She serves you using her gifts as a medium, medical intuitive, past life reader, and more. Get your free on-air readings with Robin Alexis every Sunday at noon. And now hear rebroadcasts of Mystic Radio Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Right here on Alternative Talk 1150. A recent mineral discovery is conquering many killer diseases that plague mankind. Sound too good to be true? Listen to Jim Humble tell about his discovery of this miracle mineral supplement and its global health applications in fighting cancer, TB, malaria, antibiotic-resistant forms of staph infection, and many other diseases. Diseases. This may be the most important radio health show you've ever heard. Visit MiracleMineral.org to learn more about this amazing supplement. That's MiracleMineral.org. New Spirit Journal helps readers create abundance in all areas of their lives. Their articles don't just talk about theories that sound nice. 
They give you practical information you can use to turn those theories into practice. Available at over 500 locations in Washington and Idaho. New Spirit Journal is more than just a newspaper. It's your guide to the life you want to live. New Spirit Journal can also be read online at NewSpiritJournal.com. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Lynch from Valley Chiropractic Wellness Center. Do you have subluxation? Due to common lifestyle stressors such as poor posture, accidents, injuries, and moderate amounts of emotional stress, individuals may become subluxated. Subluxations can lead to headaches, arthritis, fatigue, and many other symptoms. For your free subluxation checkup, call Valley Chiropractic Wellness Center at 425-844-8000 or visit us online at vcwc.net. The Hotel Max introduces Seattle to an experience of art and luxury combined. It's the most artistic downtown Seattle hotel and is the perfect setting for business or pleasure. Hotel Max provides the platform for viewing emerging and established Seattle artists and photographers with more than 350 original paintings and photographs found throughout the hotel. At Hotel Max, you definitely know you're in Seattle. Visit HotelMaxSeattle.com. That's HotelMaxSeattle.com. Clear, clean, and crisp. Check us out in digital quality sound on FM 98.9 HD3. Alternative Talk 1150. everybody flash gordon what a cutie patootie he was for sure welcome back everyone welcome back to the dr pat show david weber joining me here today why we love science fiction uh boy i'll tell you you know i i spent a lot of years in my youth in therapy about some of the movies that i watched i still haven't gotten over not that i watched these movies or that i was so drawn to the comic book characters I haven't got over why they put me in therapy over it. But, David, maybe you could shed some light on that. (laughs) Uh, You know, honestly, I don't even try to understand it or explain it anymore. I know for me that, you know, there's something about science fiction that is about the future that is that is just captivating and I find myself contemplating different parts of the story as if it were real. Uh I don't know if you've seen that as well or, you know, you sense that. Well, um, I think part of it is whether or not the story is being told well. Ah. Because a a good storyteller will kind of take you into his world with him for a while. And you kind of go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, when he tells you something. Because he's convinced you that it's here. He's created that illusion. Um, I think that that is one reason why people who follow a long series, like my Honor Harrington's, which... The Storm from the Shadows is actually number, I think, 15 in the series. There are 12 what people think of as mainstream novels, and then there are three uh, that are kind of helping to fill in the, fill in the holes. Uh, but I think when you spend your, that much time in a universe like that, it does become real to you. You know the people there. You know the, 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 the real estate and the technology. But as far as the why people are drawn to science fiction, some
sometimes I think it's kind of like explaining why some people are drawn to mashed potatoes and other people are drawn to custard. It's a matter of, mm. of personal taste and something that clicks for you that might not click for someone else. I was listening to your, your music mm-hmm. when my wife and I were married, uh, our recessional from the church was a nice Brahms march that halfway down segued into the uh, Imperial March from Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and you could see, looking at the congregation, who had seen the movies and who didn't have a clue <laughs> where that had come from and why other people were bowling under the pews, you know, laughing. <laughs> but it was, it was uh, an interesting moment in a way that I had not anticipated that it might be and simply being a very clear demarcation between which of the people who we knew and invited were really part of that part of our lives and how many were what we who write and go to science fiction conventions refer to as mundanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the dividing line didn't fall for you might have thought it would have fallen on the basis of age either. Okay, okay, right, right. But I think that the... What we're looking at in, in science fiction and what we're looking at in uh, comic books and what we're looking at in graphic novels is a very human desire, part of what makes us like stories, to be transported somewhere else. Uh-huh. Uh, not necessarily because we're bitterly unhappy with where we are, but because we want to be entertained and we want our mental event horizon, if you will, to be expanded by sampling things that aren't but could be. And that's one of the things that science fiction does. Uh, Before the break, I was saying that science fiction has gone through phases of development. In the good old days with Jules Verne and and his crew, it was more adventure stories rather than science fiction. Then you started getting into fiction, which was deliberately tightly oriented with science that was... Uh, at least tried not to step too hard on what we did know. Then you got into science fiction in the oh the 40s and the 50s, in which the science was just as an important a part of the story as the characters were. I'm talking literary science. Yeah, yeah. Then in the 60s uh, with uh, uh, Vietnam and all of that uh, going on, we started getting into more social science fiction, in which people were playing with social commentary as well as the, the uh, uh, science of it. Mm-hmm. And more recently, what we're into is almost you can think of it as mainstream fiction set in a science fiction environment. Oh, I get that. Uh, and we've, I get what's that. Happened, what's happened is that the storytelling base has brought enormously, and that the people that we're talking to now, our society as a whole, not just the 13-year-old geek sitting in the back of the school bus or the, the uh, 12-year-old uh, riding your bicycle to the movies or whatever, understands the terminology and the imagery of science fiction and mm. is comfortable with it. And so now we're reaching out to a much broader uh, audience. You were talking about Movies. Yes. If I'm remembering correctly, um, in 2008, eight of the top ten money makers were all science fiction or science fantasy themes. Exactly. And part.
part of that is because what Hollywood does very well, and what is frequently catastrophic for the original story, but what they do very well is to create that sort of um, uh, almost surrealistically real other world and invite you into it. That's mm. what Hollywood special effects can do now that we couldn't do before. We always had the writers who could have done it. Right. But I, and, I, and I think we had the actors who could have done it. But what we didn't have was, number one, the, the sheer technological tool to do it. Right. And number two, we didn't have a crop of writers who had grown up in the genre and therefore really understood it. Oh, wow. You know, I, I want to ask you, I know we've got a buzz out of here. I'd love to have you come back. Do you want to share maybe your favorite science fiction hero? My favorite science fiction hero? Oh, gosh, there are so many. Um, I would say that in many respects my favorite science fiction hero is a fellow named Calvin Morris mm -hmm. from an H.P. Piper novel, Lord Calvin of Otherwind. Wow. Um, who was a... Uh, uh, Pennsylvania State cop wow. who got dropped into an alternate timeline. Oh, let's come back and talk about that. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank and you for, for those of you that are wondering, yeah, when did it all start? Well, you can certainly look at 1950. There were some amazing, amazing things, stories that came out. You know, many people call that the plutonium age, and others say other things.